The Lord be with you. Welcome to Thin Places, the podcast channel of St. Aidan's Anglican Church in Nicholasville, Kentucky. I'm Father Lee, the pastor here at St. Aidan's, and I want to invite you to join me here each week as we join together to share common prayer, common worship, and common life. And just as the streams feed the trees on their banks till they pour in the seas, so may my life be to all those who share this wilderness road. Today is the third Sunday of Easter. The scripture lessons that we'll be studying today come from the 24th chapter of the Gospel of St. Luke, beginning at the 13th verse and continuing until the 35th verse. The homilist this morning is Father Lee McLeod and is assisted by Deacon Jesse Alexander. This is the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Luke. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with each other about all the things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him, and he said to them, What is this conversation that you are holding with one another as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. And one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened in these days? And Jesus said to him, What things? I said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, A man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it's now the third day since these things have happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, And when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And then, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going further, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it's toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took bread and blessed it, 
and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose at that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with them all gathered together, saying, The Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And then they told what had happened on the road and how Jesus was made known to them in the breaking of the bread. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Will you pray with me? Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. For you are our strength and you are our redeemer. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. I invite you to be seated where you are. When we read this story together a couple of weeks ago, I mentioned that this passage from Luke's Gospel, the story of the two disciples who are on their way from Emmaus um, and on their way toward uh, well, they're yeah, on their way from Jerusalem toward toward Emmaus. That this passage is probably my favorite story in the entirety of the Gospels. It's probably my my favorite story in the whole of of the New Testament. These two men are walking away from Jerusalem, carrying all of the burdens that they have with them emotional burdens and communal burdens. And they're just walking, just going as far as they can to get away from the city. And then Jesus shows up. Jesus shows up right there in the midst of everything that's going on. Now, we don't know who both of these apostles or both of these disciples are. Luke says that one of them is named Cleopas, but that word doesn't show up anywhere else in Luke's gospel. Um, and so many folks, including the early church, have suggested that, that this is a Greek version of another name that does show up in the gospels, and that name is Clopas. Um, and Clopas is, uh, is, is Jesus's uncle. So this is a person who is close to Jesus. In fact, the early church taught that from, from, very, uh, from very, very early on. Hegesippus is writing at the end of the first century. So right around 100 AD, the church is already teaching that this is St. Clopas, that this is, that this is his, his, his wife, the, the, the wife of Clopas, is the one who buried Jesus. She uh, and, and Mary are both there at the foot of the cross. She and Mary are both there to, uh, to place Jesus in the tomb. And so these people are people who are connected to him. The other disciple we're not sure about. The early church suggested that it might have been Simeon who becomes the second bishop of Jerusalem. Uh, that seems to be what, 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 what some of the early church uh, taught. But there's lots of different uh, lots of different ideas about who this might have been. One of my favorite images of this story comes from 
a, a movie that if you haven't seen it or haven't seen it recently, I would recommend to you. It's, it's called The Miracle Maker. Um, and it's a, it's a blend of, of um, ink animation and digital animation and uh, claymation all sort of together. And it tells the, the life and the, the story of Jesus. I'm sure that you could find that on Amazon Prime or one of those channels. But I reckon if you haven't seen that recently, go and watch that. In, in that story, uh, the, the second disciple is Jairus. There's this connection between, uh, b- b- between Jesus and, and Jairus. And so, but whoever this other disciple is, these are people who knew Jesus. Now, obviously, these aren't part of the 12. They're, they're, they're not one of the, or I guess one of the, the, the 11 at this point. They're not Jesus's apostles, the people that we call apostles. They're Jesus's disciples. But we know from the gospel that Jesus had a bunch of disciples, that he had, he had 70 disciples at one point that he sent out into the, the surrounding region so that they could continue doing and extend the ministry that he was doing, which was calling people to repentance, proclaiming God's forgiveness, and then healing the sick in whatever way they were sick, whether they were, they were sick from, from physical illness or spiritual illness or mental illness. Jesus and his, Jesus through his disciples entered into those sicknesses, those broken places, and brought healing and proclaimed God's peace on earth. These two disciples knew Jesus. And these two disciples knew exactly what had happened. And they say this phrase that is one of the most haunting phrases that you find in the Gospels. Look here in verse 20. Well, a little bit earlier in verse 19, Jesus shows up and says, what things are you talking about? They, 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 they said, you know, or, or, don't you know about what's happened? Are you the only person in Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened? He says, what things? They say about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet who was taken by our leaders and handed over to our governors and killed. And now people are saying that, that he is not dead. And we don't know to, what to believe. But look here at what he says in verse 21. But we had hoped that he was the one who would redeem Israel. But we had hoped that he was the one who would set us free. We had hoped that he was the one who would bring peace. These disciples are walking off into the wilderness, trying to get away from everything that's behind them. They're fleeing. They're fleeing because they're afraid. They're fleeing because they don't want to engage in the work that, that lays ahead. They're fleeing because they're frustrated with their, their situation. And they are confused. They're confused because all of the things that they believed in, all the things that they hung to, has now fallen away. They're confused because it seems like they were going in a particular direction and the future that they had planned for themselves is now gone. They're fleeing, they're confused, and they're hopeless. You can hear that in their words. These these women and some of the disciples have come to them and said, we found the empty tomb. 
The women said that we had an encounter with the Lord. We saw angels. They told us the tomb was empty. We saw the Lord. He's not dead. He's alive again. But they're full of doubt. They're afraid. They're afraid of what's going to happen to them if they stay behind. They're afraid of what is in store for them in the future. And they're lonely. And they take all of those feelings of, of, of loneliness and fearfulness and doubt in the midst of their fleeing, in the midst of their confusion, in the midst of their hopelessness, they say, we had hoped that he was the one. We thought God was with us, but I guess we were wrong. I imagine that most of us have had time in the last couple of months to utter words like that. We had hoped. We had hoped that the sickness would abate. We had hoped that it would remain a regional issue. We had hoped that healing would happen faster. We had hoped that we would be able to gather together again for Easter. We had hoped to come back to the Lord and sit at his feet and receive from his table. We had hoped. Our life is full of we had hoped moments. Here's why I love this passage. Here's why this passage speaks to me now as strongly as it has ever in the past. Because in this passage, we see that Jesus shows up and rekindles hope in his disciples then and in his disciples now. But look at the way that he does this. A lot of times we imagine that when, when there is a problem that we're facing, that we need somebody to speak to us and tell us how to fix the problem or just to take the problem away. There's a tendency for, for us to try to fix other people's problems, but that's not what Jesus does. Jesus doesn't step into this story and begin fixing their problems. Do you see what he does? Jesus drew near to them and went with them. That's what Luke says. While they were talking and discussing this amongst themselves, while they were talking together, Jesus drew near to them and went with them. They stood still looking sad, and one of them said, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who doesn't know what has happened this weekend? Are you the only person who doesn't realize what's happened? Jesus draws near to them, and walks beside them, and then Jesus invites them to tell him their story. Jesus doesn't walk beside them and say, I am Jesus, I'm going to fix your problem. He doesn't do that. He draws near to them, and then he says to them, tell me your story. Tell me your story. And then, look what he does. 
Let's start in verse 20, 24. He's already said that, uh, that, that we had hoped that he would be the one to redeem, but now some of, some of the women of our company have found the tomb empty and said that angels told them that, that, Jesus, is li- that, that Jesus is alive. And some of the others of us went and found the tomb empty, and they didn't see him, and we don't know what to believe. And Jesus says, you foolish ones who are slow of heart to believe all that the prophets was spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things to enter into his glory. And then beginning with Moses and all of the prophets, he interpreted to them in all of scripture the things concerning himself. Jesus goes to them and walks alongside them. He finds them where they are and he walks with them. He goes along with them and invites them to tell him their story. And then Jesus begins to retell their story by speaking and naming his presence in that story. And as he does that, they say, were not our hearts kindled within us as he spoke to us on the road? I know that it's frustrating for us to be separated from the Lord's table, to be in this period of extended fasting, this Lent that doesn't seem like it wants to end, this, this holy Saturday that never seems to end in an Easter vigil. I know that it's frustrating for us to be separated from the Lord's table, but I want us to pay close attention here. They say that he was made known to us in the breaking of the bread. We knew him in the breaking of the bread, but what do they say? They say, were not our hearts kindled? Was not hope reborn? Did we not experience God's presence while he was speaking to us on the road? It's so easy for us to forget that Christ's presence is not something that is located here. That Christ's presence is located where we are. That when we proclaim that this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, that this is God with us, that that means that God is with us. Do we encounter the Lord at his table? Absolutely. He's given us this table to encounter him in the sacrament in a way that we can't encounter him in any other way. But this isn't the only place that we encounter the Lord. Because his scriptures kindle hope within us. Because God is present in our lives, not only at the table, but also in his word. God is present with us right now. Right where you are, right where you are gathered, Christ is present. As you and I converse this morning, Christ is present. Wherever two or three of us are gathered, Christ is in our midst. And here's what he's inviting us to do. He's inviting us just like he does with Cleopas and the other, the other disciple. He's inviting us to tell our story, but not to end there. 
to tell our story, our experience, whether it's our experience right now in the midst of isolation or whether it's our experience from three months ago when we were coming out of Christmas celebrations or whether it was our, our, our story from two years ago or four years ago or five years ago or five years from now. He invites us always to tell him our story, but then to turn to his scriptures, to turn to his word and to allow Christ to name and to speak his presence into our story. Because here's the reality. These disciples are fleeing and confused and hopeless, and every single one of us in our own ways know what it's like to feel like we are fleeing and confused and hopeless, to feel like we are completely overburdened with anxiety and busyness and frustration and change and stagnation and doubt and fear and isolation. All of that is a part of our experience. And Christ is asking us to name those things. Give voice to our lament. Give voice to our hope. Give voice to our longing. But not to stay there. It doesn't mean that our stories don't matter. It doesn't mean that our experiences aren't real. But he's inviting us to go beyond them. To open our eyes to open our hearts, to see the places that he is at work in our presence right now. That's our challenge this week, to allow Christ to speak and name his presence in the midst of our frustration, in the midst of our anxiety, in the midst of our isolation. Whether we are fleeing or confused or hopeless or some combination of all three of those things, to allow Christ to speak his words of healing, his words of transformation, his words of comfort, to speak his presence into our stories. Because when we invite the Holy Spirit to open our eyes to see the places that he is at work all around us right now, we will then at the end of our storytelling, say exactly what Cleopas and the other disciples say. We're not our hearts burning within us as he spoke to us. Right now, today, Jesus is drawing near to us. Jesus is going alongside of us. So often we think that the promise of Easter is that we're, we're not going to experience hardship, that we're not going to experience loneliness, that we're not going to encounter and face death. But that's not the promise of Easter. The promise of Easter is that in spite of our loneliness and our hardship and our hurt, in spite of suffering and death, we are not alone. Right now, Christ is drawing near to us, drawing near to you to speak words of comfort and healing and hope, to rekindle that hope inside of us, to set our hearts on fire with hope.
and joy and peace so that we can again come to a place where we can practice loving each other the way that Christ has loved every single one of us. That's his promise. We're not our hearts burning within us as he spoke to us upon the road. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for checking out Thin Places today. If you were blessed by your time with us and want to know more, check out anchor.fm forward slash thin dash places for more homilies, devotionals, and worship from St. Aidan's Church in Nicholasville, Kentucky. And make sure to follow us and leave a comment and join us again next time in common prayer, common worship, and common life. The peace of the Lord be always with you. Father is restored.